Amen. So, Father, I just want to continue in this vein. So, Father, I pray now, will, our, will the people know that we're born for such a time as this? I pray now, Father, that we will, each and every one of us, know the hour that we are living in and the seriousness of what is coming on this earth. And I thank you, Father, that we will know and that we will be light in the darkness. Amen. That we will be that light when this world gets dark. And that there is no weapon formed against us that will ever prosper. Because Jesus, you are in charge. You are coming for his people. For your people. And I thank you, Father, that we, as your bride, Jesus, are preparing ourselves for your return. In Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> as you can remember, probably from last week, uh, this time last week I hadn't had a lot of sleep. I had gone to bed on a Saturday night and the Lord awoke me and it was just a couple of things that I'd heard and the Lord started speaking to me in the night um, about what I'm going to bring to you today. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, just as the sons of Ishikar knew the times and the seasons they were in, not just for themselves, but it says in the word, so that Israel would know the times and the season that they're in. We have got to know to the hour, the time, and the seasons that we're in. We are on the brink of breakthrough. The Lord came to me at the back, <clears throat> and I just had a little conversation with him, and I said, Lord, come and show yourselves to them. Come and show them yourself to them. And he said, it's not the time. Because when my people humble themselves, humble themselves, and, who, and, and this is what the word says, who are called by his name. You are called by the almighty name, and his name is Jesus. Each and every one of you is called for such a time as this. And it says that they will humble themselves. That's been the theme of what we've been doing in the worship, is humbling ourselves before this almighty God. And it says, and pray and seek my face and turn around from their wicked ways, then I will hear them, and then I will forgive their sins, and then I will heal their land. <clears throat> I am telling you now, we're on the brink of biblical times. We are living in this biblical time. We are living in this word. If we humble ourselves before the almighty God and call upon his name, he will forgive us our sins and heal this land. This land needs healing. Listen, the Antichrist is a person, but we're already in an Antichrist system. When all of the statutes, all of the laws, all of the, the, the things of God has been taken and ripped out of society, we're already in it. We can't speak the truth as we see it. We're being shut up by a liberal left organization. We can't say, this is what the word says. Have you seen what they're trying to do in the middle of Sheffield? Have you seen it in the papers? There it is. They want to take part of the moor and make it into a gay quarter. That's the word, they, a gay quarter. They want to have gay bars, they want to have gay clubs, and they want to have gay saunas. That's an abomination to the Lord. And somebody has got to stand up for the truth. Somebody has got to say, no, 
We want the light of Jesus upon this land. We don't want the laws of men and of women. We want the laws of God to be re-established. Re-established. We're in a decline. A decline where a bunch of people will arise up and shine. And we will slow down this acceleration into the judgments of God. That's where we're at. I heard Bobby Connor said that the church has got a malfunction of their wardrobe. They're showing too much flesh. And if that is happening in the church, then let me tell you, whatever's happening here is happening on the streets. There's lawlessness going on like we have never seen before. Lawlessness is abounding. And it says that before, before the great tribulation, there'll be a great falling away. What do you think is going to cause the falling away? Well, I'll show you what it is. You see, if I take a coin out of my pocket and I flick it up, there are two sides to that coin, yes? There's the heads and the tails. If I just throw it up and it comes down as heads and there's two heads on, it's a counterfeit, yes? There are two sides to God. He is the God of all love. He is the God of love, but he's also on the other side, the God of judgment. And if you don't think that he is going to judge this lawlessness in society that has permeated and saturated us, where it's taken everything of him out, then there's a bunch of people who've got to say enough's enough. Lord, bring judgment if that's that's what your law is saying. Bring judgment. But judge me first. Judge me first and see if there is anything in me Anything of me. Let's start with us. Let's just don't look at the world. Let's start with us. If there's anything in me, that's why we had to humble ourselves. That's why in worship we got on our faces, that we got on our knees, and we're saying, Lord, we're serious for you. We're serious for you. We want to humble ourselves before you. And I want to show you where we, where we exactly are in God's timing that from a parallel of biblical principles and characters, exactly where we are. Are you ready to buckle yourself in? I'm going to go fast and furious. (laughs) But I want to say to you that we are living in biblical times. I promise you, if you were not born for this time, he would have made you being born in the Middle Ages. You have been born for this time. For those that know their God and humble themselves and cry out for him. He will answer. He is going to answer over this area. He is going to answer over in this church. This church will be known as the fear of the Lord. This church will be known that when the fear of the Lord breaks out, holiness comes in. He will have a holy people without spot, wrinkle or blemish. A holy people. That's you and me. Why? Because he first loved us. He loved us. And he's carried on loving us and loving us and loving us when all we deserve is hell. That's where we deserve. I'll speak for myself. That's, where I, that's what I deserve. I deserve hell. But through the blood of Jesus, through the cleansing of the blood, I am forgiven. I am forgiven. I am clean. And you are clean. And there is nothing that this world can accuse you of. When the accuser comes to you, you say, I'm his. I've been bought. I'm the reward of his sacrifice. So here we go. I'm going to use Ahab and the reign of Ahab 
For 22 years, this king stood on the the throne. But Israel at that time had already gone into decline. They had already gone down that spiral to away from God, just like we are today in Ahab's time. They had already, he didn't bring it all in. He just continued the descent. He continued that descent for 22 years. And if you want to know where we're starting, we're starting in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 29. I'm going to show you by the end of this which hour, where we exactly are in biblical times. Do you want that? This has taken me all week of study and prayer and making sure that the facts and the figures were there. It says in the 30th, the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omiri, became king over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omiri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. Keep that in the back of your mind. Just put that in the back of your mind. 22 years. Now Ahab, the son of Omiri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took as a wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal. You see, Jezebel's father was a high priest for the, for, for the, for the demonic of Baal, which is Satan. It was demonic, satanic worship of Satan, the king of the Sidonians. And he went and served Baal and worshipped him. So the king from this foreign queen, she was a foreigner. She was not an Israeli. She wasn't a Jew. She was a foreign queen. Came in and all she did was, she just said, look, I want you to adopt my ways. I want to bring in the, the whole worship of Baal. I want to have him. Do you know what Baal was? The two principal things of Baal was child sacrifice. They would put children on an altar and sacrifice them in their hundreds and thousands. And then they, what they also brought in, they brought in sexual immorality. They, they said as part of their religious services, it's okay for a man to be with a man or a woman to be with a woman or a man to be with a prostitute. That's all right. They had them in, in their hundreds Hundreds of these things. And we go on and we say, then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal. Where did he set up Baal? He set it up in the temple. Set it up in the temple, this wooden image. In the place of God, he set up Baal. What does that sound like? It's exactly where we're at in society. We are now calling good evil and evil good. That's where we're at. Everything that is good is now being told that it's evil. Do you realize what they're doing in California? As we sit here, they're trying to bring in a law in California that forbids parents to read to their children that same-sex marriage is wrong. And they're trying to ban the Bible to tell their children this liberal left is, is, is permeated and saturated in our very society so that when we stand up and say God made us in his image, he made a man and a woman... And a story. But you know what? I love what Ginny said. We don't condemn them with this. We just give them the truth, which is Jesus, and let the spirit of all truth set them free. That's it. We've got to love on them. 
Not go against them. I'm not against anybody in this. But I want the truth of who Jesus is to permeate and saturate this society. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger. Excuse me? Does it say to provoke God to love? No. He provoked him to anger. And we know that God is slow to anger. But when, boy, when he gets angry, people die. In their thousands. You don't think this is going to be judged in California? I've got friends in California. I've told them to get out of that city. Because the wrath of God is going to be poured out in that place. Because it's an abomination to the Lord. You think judgment? Of course judgment's going to come unless they repent. Unless they turn around. And how can they repent unless we tell them? How can we tell people that they're, they're where they're headed? You know, you're going to one of two places. This is where you're going if you don't repent. But people are full of pride. I don't need God. What do I need God for? It's for wimps. It's for those people who need crutches. I need Jesus. He helps me to love. He helps me to become everything that he wants me to be. I need him. And I make no excuse about that. He gives me the capacity to love my wife even more. He gives me the capacity to love my child even more. He gives me the capacity to not whack my child over the head as I was. He gives me the capacity to love him and to love her with all of that I've got that I would give my life for them. Because that's what he did for us. That's the truth. And I'm not going to shy away from it. But Ahab did everything evil in the sight of God. And with Jezebel's influences, they followed and worshipped Baal. They worshipped the devil. They had all of this thing of introduction of, uh, of child sacrifice, sexual immorality, etc., etc. And anybody that didn't follow their ways were killed. God's people were shut up. If you don't comply, then we'll shut you up. <laughs> They want to bind us. They want to clove our mouths. They want to shut our mouths up because it goes against their nice little things. Well, I'm telling you, you're going to have to kill me to shut me up. He wants to join me. I'm, I'm tired of this sensationalism that's in the church, that we present Jesus as the meek and mild lamb. He's alive and he is well. And he will thunder before his army. He will bring lightness where there is darkness like never before. If we as a nation repent. But you know what? Can you remember Elijah when he killed the prophets of Baal and Ashtaroth? And then Jezebel says, because you've done this, I'm coming for you. And Elijah, when he get, this just tells us that when we get ourselves out of the anointing of God then the fear of man will come on us. We've got to remain under that anointing. Not just in church and everywhere we go. We've got to remain under that anointing. We've got to clothe ourselves in Jesus. That's who we've got to put on as Jesus. We've got to become like Jesus. We've got to be loved. We cannot harbor unforgiveness because we've been forgiven much. So what gives us the right to judge when he hasn't judged us? Anyway, Elijah's there complaining to the Lord, and then the Lord, you know, he's saying, Lord, why is it only me? Because Elijah, you're a prophet. 
There are prophetic people that will arise up in this land. And I believe the prophetic word of the voice of God will come from this place. Not for anybody to look good, but for him to give chance and warning that if we do not change our ways, then this is going to come on our land. That's what the prophets did. They got sawn in half, they got stoned, they got butchered, they got ignored, they got beaten. But you know what? We have to give them a warning. But we have to be the difference, you and me. We have to be the difference because we're clothed in him. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's Christ in us, the hope for this land. It's Christ in us, the hope of parliament. It's Christ in us for the laws of this land. It's Christ in us, in our schools, in our hospitals. It's Christ in us. There is nothing to stop you in your school within the spirit of God praying for that school or that hospital or that ward. There is nothing stopping you. You can pray for somebody, the patient, lying on the bed in the spirit. You can bind things if you've got demonic stuff in your psychiatric chair. You don't have to say it. You just do it in the spirit. That's where the battle is, in the spirit. And you can bring healing to that person. I mean, I, I cried. I cried about that little baby in, in uh, Alfie. I cried driving when I heard at 7 o'clock driving up to these guys to go down to London yesterday morning about quarter to seven and I heard that, that, that he had died. And this is what his father said, our little Alfie, <laughs> he's laid down his shield and he's picked up his wings. Wow. I think his father knows Jesus. Don't you? We hope he does. But that little boy is with Jesus now. Isn't that incredible? We've got a good God. He is good. He is kind. And he is faithful. But then Elijah is complaining to the Lord, why me? Is it only me? And this is what God says. This is Jesus turning up. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel. All whose, this is in 1 Kings 19, chapter 18, uh, verse 18. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. You see, these people embraced Baal. They embraced it. They kissed it. They honored it. They wanted it. But there is a body of people that will not bow. The only knee I'm going to bow is to Jesus. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's start doing it now. Let's start doing it now. You see, we've seen that God has been taken out of schools, out of politics, out of our workplace, out of the very Christian roots and principles that our forefathers built this society on. We are a Christian nation. And there are men and women that have gone from these shores to take the Christian message to many, many, many people. And a lot of them never returned. Never returned. They went to Africa, they went to India, they went to China, they went to all the four corners of this world from this nation. From this nation. It used to be this nation was the principal nation of spreading of the gospel. And now what have we got? We've got them coming back to us. Them coming back to us. And evangelizing and being missionaries to this society that has forsaken their God. And they're coming back. 
That's why I love people like Richard and Caroline. I'm an African man. We're African people. And we, we have been set free by the gospel of Jesus. And we're clothed in his blood. And it's us that will return and bring back the glory. Because Britain has let go of it. So have you and me. Do not let that cloud of witnesses that are over this church looking in. Do you know they're looking in? They're peering back, that curtain, that veil, and they're looking in. The people of John Wesley. This is why I love Ginny. It's going to go in and, and honour John Wesley and Charles Wesley. There's going to be an honouring of these people. But folks, we've got a job to do. We've got a job to do. And we want to worship the God of Israel. I want to worship the God of Israel. That you cannot say in some churches. But I am declaring it. We want to worship the God of Israel. Let's declare it. That is not a popular thing in society. I want to know the feasts of God. Not to make me Jewish because I'm not. I'm a Gentile, but I want to know the feasts of God. But you see, just like Israel in Jezebel and Ahab's time, folks, we're sacrificing babies. We're putting them on an altar and sacrificing them, not in their hundreds, not in their thousands, but in their millions. And it's just a different altar. Do you see the parallel? It's a different altar. And we've allowed it to come into our society. We've allowed it. We have been a sleep church. We're not ha- Listen, I'm not having a go at people. I'm having a go at the Spirit. But look how our... Listen, how many Christians, born-again Christians, are there in this country? Oof, maybe 4%. 5% if we're lucky. But here's the thing. How many gays are there in this country? Have you ever thought about this? Less than 5%. Less than 5%. There are more Christians in this country than there are gay people. And yet our laws seem like everybody is gay. Do you see what's happening? It seems like... Yeah, we we can't put on our televisions without seeing some sort of... It's true. Look at the guy who presents our weather. Well, then. And politicians, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we celebrate. People were interviewing. I'm so happy. You're gay. (laughs) They're having a baby. They're celebrating having a baby. Well, bless them. But let the spirit of all truth saturate them. Let the fear of the Lord come on them. Let's let's get the fear of the Lord in this country. But you know, it says that if America sneezes, we get the cold. Yes? Well, let's continue, because I want to show you a parallel. So just as in the times of Ahab and Jezebel, there is no difference to our society now. So who can we say, which leaders can we say are a representation of Jezebel and Ahab. I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to show you this. Because we have parallels of our political leaders, and I couldn't find any for the UK. 
you know, um, so I chose America. <laughs> so let's have a dig at the Americans. But I want to show you something. I want to look at America because, listen, one of the greatest presidents America had was Ronald Reagan. One of the greatest. He was born again. He loved the Lord with all of his heart. He, he fought for the rights of unborn children like never, no other president. He said there shall be, we want to lessen the abortion. I don't agree with abortion. He said, I, I want to bring life. I don't want to bring death. And he limited to as much as he possibly could to stem this flow. He brought down the wall of communism. He made uh, Gorbachev and all these people to crumble down the walls. He, oh, he was amazing. He was a good man and he was a godly man. He listened to Billy Graham was his counsellor. He called on Billy Graham to pray for him on a regular basis. We need to be praying for our presidents and prime ministers and these leaders and these people in power. But let me tell you something. Who came after Bush, after uh, Reagan? What was George W. Bush Sr. for four years? But here he is. Who comes next? You guys know. Clinton came. In January the 20th of 1993, Clinton comes in. To power. And he comes in power from 1993 to, two, to January 2001. Eight years. But it wasn't the first time that Clinton had come on the political scene. Where had he come on the political scene? He came on the political scene in Arkansas. He became the governor of Arkansas. He came the governor of Arkansas from 1979 and he went right up the way to 1983. 1993, sorry. So if we put Clinton was in the White House from 1993 to 2001 and he was a governor of Arkansas from 1969 to 83, how many years is that? 79. How many years is it? 22. How many years did Ahab rule? 22. You ready? Goes on gets even more exciting, because you can't make this up. You see, he was the first president to stand up in his first week of coming office. He didn't even wait for a month to go. He came into office on the first day. And do you know what he did? He opened the door and endorsed abortion. He opened the door. And he said, it is my duty to make all of this available for all people. All people. That was in the fourth day of his office. And he said, we will even use taxpayers' money to pay for it. To pay for abortion. And he didn't just did that. He allowed scientific work to be performed on the aborted fetuses. He allowed it. The first president ever to say, I endorse this. And he used scientific... He said, yeah, go, go, go and do all your experiments on these aborted babies. <gasps> How demonic is that? Did you stand up and do anything about it? Did you even know about it? But for 22 years, he stood up. And guess what? Just like Bale, where was Clinton born? Arkansas. Where is Arkansas? It's in the Belt Bible. The Bible Belt of America. It's in the Bible Belt, right smack in the middle. 
He was surrounded by the Bible. He was surrounded by Christian people. He knew everything about what the Christian way was. And he rejected it. Just like Ahab. He rejected it. He rejected the ways and the traditions of just like Ahab. And he married a foreign queen. Hillary Clinton came from a very cosmopolitan, liberal background. She was a feminist. She wouldn't even, when she married Clinton, before he got into the governor of Arkansas, in the 70s, she was already saying, my husband will become president of the United States one day. She started declaring it. And she said, by the way, if you get him, you get me. Two for one. Buy one, get one free. Just like Ahab and Jezebel. And let me tell you, Hillary Clinton wore the trousers in that relationship. She wore the, all the pants, the pants, you know. But he, can I, tell, can I give you a quote, what he said on that fourth day on the, on, on, in, in Washington? He said, this is President Bill Clinton. He said, should we change the laws? You bet. You bet. We are redefining the beginning in practical terms, the unchanging ideals, ideals of what was first defined as a nation. They were defined as a nation under Christian principles. They were a people that were going after God and they built the whole of their, their laws under the word of God. And now he is saying, we are redefining it and we are starting a new beginning in practical terms. So, Clinton wanted to do it, he changed it. He even started the gay monthly pride in America. The first president to start gay movement and endorsing it. And from that gay movement, this is where we have every city in the world having gay marches, because it first started with Bill Clinton. Just like Ahab and Jezebel, bringing in the practice of immoral sex. But it doesn't get, it gets even more. You see, Clintons always confronted born-again Christians with this abortion issue, with this gay rights issue. They shut them up. They put laws in the land like they are doing now to try and shut us up even more. But listen, I want to tell you something. Listen to this. Can you remember in the vineyard of Naboth when uh, Ahab wanted the vineyard of, 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 of Naboth? And he said, I want this vineyard. And the both says, you can't have it. So what did Jezebel do? She said, I will get rid of him. She got a group of people to falsely accuse him of heresy against God. They dragged him out. And this was in the place of the tribe of guess who? Levi. Keep that in the back of your mind. Levi. They dragged him out and they stoned him to death. And Ahab and Jezebel celebrated as they took his vineyard. But Elisha comes to him. Elijah comes to him. And he says, you have sinned against God. You have killed this man, Naboth, for that vineyard. You need to repent. And guess what? Ahab repented. He threw ashes over him, he put sackcloth, and he repented. And because he repented, this is all in one Kings, sorry, two Kings. You can follow this in Chronicles as well. This is all in the Bible. 
And he repented. And God said, because you have repented, I'm giving this nation three years, three years before my judgment falls. That was in the 19th year of Ahab. Well, can you remember Monica Lewinsky? With uh, Clinton? His personal sin was exposed. And guess when it was exposed? In his 19th year. Just like Ahab. Just like Ahab, it was exposed. And Monica Lewinsky, listen to this. From Levi, you get the word leaven. From leaven, you get the word Lewin. From Lewin, you get Lewinsky. And even this, she was a daughter from the tribe of Levi. So just like Ahab in his 19th year of office, Clinton gets confronted by, by religious leaders. You have sinned. And his, it is all exposed in the papers. He lies about it. He, he is in political office in the last... This is 1998. And do you know what happened in 1998? There was an annual prayer meeting where all of the... the, conf, um, the, uh, the what I would say is the, the religious people of his day, they organised a prayer meeting in the, in the White House on the East Wing. You can Google this. You can get what he said. And Clinton, in 1998, confessed that he had sinned to this religious right group. I have sinned. He did it. They started the meeting at 8.30 in the morning. It went on, sorry, uh, yeah, 8.30 in the morning. It went on till 10.30 in the morning. Guess what date? September the 11th, 1998. Can you remember Ahab? He was given three years before the judgment fell. Well, guess what happened? Not just in the, in the same year, but in the same hour and in the same day and the same week and the same month. In 2001, the first plane hit the first twin tower. Guess what time? 8.30 in the morning. Guess what time the tower collapsed? 10.29 in the morning. Just in the same time that Bill Clinton says, I have sinned, God held off the judgment of America until three years exactly to the day and the hour. Can you now see the parallel that is running? Can you clearly see this? So it is still going on. Still going on. Still happening. Wow. Literally, you can Google this. See when the tower fell down. 10. Oh, duck, duck, go. It's 10.29. You can't make this up. So as he was having this prayer meeting in 1998, three years later to the hour, judgment falls in America. You go and read Jonathan Kahn's book, The Harbinger. It talks all about it. And it's a brilliant, brilliant book. But here's something. When were the Twin Towers completed? 1997, 1970, completed. When did Bill Clinton come onto the political scene? Three years later. Sorry, I've got that wrong, sorry. No, sorry, got that wrong. 1970, the towers were completed. Three years later, guess what came in? 1973, 
there was a thing going on in the federal court called Wade versus Roe that brought in and legitimized abortion for the first time in America. Three years to the day that the Twin Towers were completed. And you can read all about that in Jonathan Kahn's The Harbinger. They legitimized abortion for the first time. Now Jezebel. Jezebel's father was a Baal priest. She was evil as you can possibly get. She got rid of all of the Jewish customs, except, you know, she killed every prophet. She was awful. But we have a modern day, and her name was Hillary Clinton. She was saying back in the day that Clinton is going to be the next president, etc., etc. And you get me, you get him. You get him, you get me. And she had such political ambitions herself, just like Jezebel had political ambitions for herself. She even set up, when Clinton came into the White House, she set up her own office in the White House. She right beside Bill Clinton's. Their doors opened, and she could walk in to all this presidential stuff that Bill Clinton was doing, and she could listen in. And uh, as I say, she, she endorsed, endorsed homosexuality, endorsed abortion, even worse than Clinton did. She made it her obsession to, she even turned around to the African states and told them off for not embracing abortion and homosexuality. She turned around and said, we should all endorse it. But do you know what? She came out, I'm just trying to find the, uh, the saying that she came out with. But she basically said to the liberal, the uh, conservative right, the religious right people, she said, you guys need to change your laws. You now need to get used to what we're going to be doing. You now need to, and I'll find it. I'll find the exact quote for you in a minute. But here's another thing. I mean, she was completely evil. She, I heard, and we've heard, um, Derek Prince in 1998 saying, when he was preaching, he said, there is a witch in the White House. And she and he was talking back then in 1998 about Hillary Clinton. She is a witch. Like you, she is right up there. She, you can go and duck, duck, go this, what she was into. She was into literally putting people in bars and having... I can't, I, I can't tell you what, what... You'll have to Google it or duck, duck, go it yourself. But they would, they would enact out... This is in the White House human sacrifice and you can go and find out her influences that were totally and utterly satanic totally but just like Jezebel when Bill Clinton his, um, uh, his, his presidency came to an end in 2001 Jezebel didn't just like Jezebel didn't die when Ahab after 22 years continued it continued for another 12 years 12 years guess how long Hillary Clinton continued to another 12 years another 12 years because you're ready for the next phase because it doesn't stop there she pursued her own political career Jezebel in the same way continues to have political power and influence so did Hillary Clinton but when Ahab died you had another king come on, the throne. His name was King Jeroham. J 
Jeraham, J-E-H-O-R-A-M, Jeraham. Guess how long he continued for? 12 years. How long did Hillary Clinton as Jezebel, could Jezebel continue after Ahab died? 12 years. How long did Hillary Clinton continue? 12 years. 12 years. Exactly the same. But this guy, Jeroham, he was evil. He just continued where Ahab left off. Who are we talking about? Who? Okay, in 2001, we had a little bit of a gap for four years because it was W. George Bush Jr. 2001, right? Who came on the political scene in 2006, 2004? At the Democrat Party, you had a young man stand up and he came out with an amazing speech at that party conference in 2004. And people were saying, from that minute on, this man is going to become president. Hillary Clinton in 2004 arises up and declares herself that she was running for president. Another Democrat rose up and said he was running for president. Just like Jeroham, he was younger than Jezebel. Obama was younger than Hillary Clinton. Ran against her and won and became president in 2006. So Hillary Clinton comes back on the scene after taking four years out, comes back on the scene in 2004, goes to 2006. How many years is that? Two. Follow me. He then, she then goes into Obama's office for another six years. Sorry, eight years. Another eight years. And then declares herself that she wants to run for presidency in 2014. So 2006 to 2014, she comes out of political office to run for presidency. How many years is that? Eight. Yes? But we've already got another two, so you add on two, because she ran for presidency in 2004 to 2006. So eight plus two is two. Ten. Then she comes back on the scene again in 2014 to 2016. Add on two, that's 12. How long did Jeroboam reign for? 12 years. Exactly the same time as Jezebel. How long did Jezebel last? 12 years after Ahab died. Can you see the parallel? So do you want to go on a little bit more? Because Obama is a type of Jeroboam. Jeroboam. I've, Heidi, I haven't got time to go all the way back and find the Bible first for you. If you follow two kings where we... Is it King Joram? Is it J-O-R-A-M? There's the, he's pronounced in two different ways. Yes. It's J-E-H and J-O-H. And it's, he's spelt A-R-A-H sometimes or R-A-M sometimes. But just like Obama, in the same way that this uh, Jehoram, is the king of Jehoram, he had a nemesis. He had a nemesis that for 10 years plagued his kingdom. For 10 years. But for 10 years, another nemesis went up against America. 
for 10 years. But the same good nemesis that went up against Jehoram, guess how he was killed? He was lying in bed in his own bedroom. He gets assassinated in his own bedroom. Who was the nemesis in 2001? The nemesis against America. Before 2001. Bin Laden. Bin Laden. He orchestrated the Twin Towers, so they say. He, he orchestrated it. He planned it. In 2001, the towers came down. When was he killed? 2011. How was he killed? In his own bedroom. Do you see that? Same nemesis that went against him was killed in his own bedroom, assassinated, just like bin Laden. In two, 10 years, 2001 to 2011, the biggest manhunt started, just like in this day in Jerohoman's day and in Ahab's day. It was continuous. But here we go. Here's what happens. Jehoram dies. He gets killed. And another king comes on the scene. But his name was Jehu. Jehu. And Jehu was part of the army that fought with Ahab. And there was a run, when Jeroham died, there was a run for, 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 for who was going to become king. Guess who Jehu was? He wasn't a political leader. He was a fighter. He would choose a fight with anybody. And in the Bible, it says that when he got on his chariot, I can give you the, if you turn with me, to two kings. Two kings, nine. And then 9, verse 20. It says these words. Well, as soon as he heard, and he had killed, he had killed Jeroham. He had killed him. And there was a run to who was going to become king. He gets in his chariot. He then, and the, the commentaries say, he then connects with a religious right wing of Israel. And they get on the chariot with them, saying, we're coming with you. But the commentaries say that they can't find any evidence that um, Jehu was a guy that wanted to establish the laws of the land of Israel. That he, does it sound like somebody? Because in, 19, in 2014, a man rose up called Bush. But it says in 2 Kings 9, verse 20, it says, so the watchman reported, it says, seeing chariots come to them, they went up to them, and it is not coming back, and it is, this is the guy reporting it, he went up to them, and it's not coming back, and it is driving like the driving of Jehu, the son of Nemshi, for he drives furiously, furiously, now when you translate that into the original text, it says that he is driving crazy. He's crazy. He is absolutely. When you see, oh, um, when you see Trump come on the scene, he goes and he says, I'm standing for, for the presidency of the United States of America. Nobody gave him a chance in 2014. And it went head to head with him and, and Hillary Clinton. Everybody was saying, he is a crazy guy. He is crazy. They're still saying it now. They're still saying that he's crazy. He's mad. He's a fighter. Does it sound like somebody? <coughs> Trump wants to pick a fight with anybody he wants to fight. He is a little crazy. But guess what Jehom 
did. Jehu. He then, he goes up to Jezebel and he comes to her in the city and he comes up and he rides up and she sticks out her window and she basically goes, you've got no chance, Jehu. You've got absolutely no chance. Jehu calls up and he says, who is with you? Behind her is her eunuchs, the people that are meant to love her. And he said, throw her out. The eunuchs pick her out and they throw her out the window. Just like Trump did to Hillary Clinton. Throws her out the window, tramples on her, kills her. And it says, and it fulfills a prophecy. (coughs) It says that the dogs would eat her bones. Do you know when they went to bury her in that same vineyard? That was prophetic. There was only her hands and her feet and her head left. And the dogs had eaten her. How much more judgment is going to come on these people? Can I ask for you one thing? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So here we have here we have Trump, you know, running and he wins against all of the odds. He wins. And nobody knows, like Jehu, whether he was for Christians or he's against Christians. Nobody knows whether he's a Christian or not. Just like Jehu. But guess what Jehu did? He ran and he got on his chariot and he destroyed the house of Ahab. He completely destroyed the house of Ahab. What did Trump do? The first thing he did is he undid the house of Ahab. That started with Clinton, finished with Obama. In the first week of office, he undid the laws of Obama that were continued from President Clinton undid the laws, started dismantling it, started putting laws into place about abortion, trying to limit those things and try to cut it off. And he declared himself pro-life. As a first president, he declared himself pro-life. And for the values and the Christian principles of his land. And as you know, he declared, when he declared in the State Union Address, in his first year of office, he said, in God we will trust. And as you know, he presented two people. He presented that North Korean guy without the legs who had escaped North Korea. And he said, yeah, this guy, he's, he's now out. We've given him you know, proper legs. What's he saying? Unlike Obama, I stand for the persecuted Christians because this North Korean was a Christian and his whole family were. I stand for the persecuted Christians. This is Trump in his address. And as you know, he presented that Albuquerque officer, police officer Ryan, and police officer Ryan was walking down. He came across a a woman who was heavily pregnant and shooting, you know, heroin up her arm. And he said to the Lord, and this is Trump saying, what officer, officer Ryan said to the Lord, what can I do for this woman? And this is what Trump said. God spoke back to Officer Ryan and said, you can afford not to do something for her. So he took a picture and he said, I've got two children already. Can I take care of this unborn baby? Can you give birth to it? 
and we'll bring it up. And then Trump presents Officer Ryan and his wife holding this baby, and it's a girl, and her named her Hope. What's Trump doing there? He didn't say anything about abortion. He is saying, he then turned around and he said, people of America, there are people, Christian people, just like Officer Ryan, who want to have your baby. If you don't want to have it, these people will have it. And he put into law for Christians to adopt babies that have been given up. He is saying, I am for pro-life. I am anti-abortion. And in God we trust. We want to stand up for those Christians that cannot stand up for themselves. And he did all of this, just like Jehu did. Because Jehu, he went straight to Jerusalem. Do you know what he did? He wanted to drain the swamp of Ahab. Just like Exactly like Trump declared, I want to drain the swamp of corrupted politics. He was used those exact words, drain the swamp of corrupted politicians. And the liberal left was screaming blue murder. Because guess what Jehu did? He killed Ahab's whole family whole family and the 70 sons, he killed them. He killed every one of them. He killed everybody that had sided with, with Ahab because they were evil in the sight of God. He started cleaning up the swamp of Jezebel. He started cleaning up the swamp of corruption. He started cleaning up the swamp and even said to the, 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 the priests of Baal, listen guys, I'm for you. Bring all of your prophets, bring all of your priests, and we'll have a big old celebration of, of King Baal. They invited them to the palace. They all came, and he said to, his, said to them, has everyone come? And they went, yeah, everyone's come. Kill them. Kill them. And he killed every prophet, everybody that had been involved. He knocked down the wooden images of Baal. I'm telling you, Trump is knocking down the images and the things of Baal in, in America now. So where does that leave us? If Jehu is a type of Trump, where does it leave us? This is where I get excited. Can you give me 10 more minutes? Because this is, this is where we're at. This is where we are at now. Because he is emptying the swamp that has gone against the Christian traditions. He is emptying it. He's undoing it. So what does that give us? It gives us time. It gives us time because unless he succeeds, because, you know, when he came on, the, on to presidency, every witch and every warlock was encouraged to come out in the streets and pray against him. And the word came to this church, pray for him, pray for him, pray for him. And we did as a church pray for Trump. I have Christians who are my friends, who are used to be my friends, until I told them I was Brexit and I was pro-Trump. They're not my friends anymore. They have took me off, not that I'm really on Facebook, but they, they scrubbed me out. I'm not on their Christmas list. I'm not their favourite, but you know what? I don't care. I'm, no, you still send me Christmas cards. But folks, if my people, 
who are called by my name, humble themselves. Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear them from heaven. The whole of heaven is for us and not against us. His heavenly realm is ready to back us up. Everything is in place for revival. Because it's the revival and the Spirit of God for those that know God and are called by His name will humble themselves and call out. Then revival can break out. The darkness is getting darker, but we will get light. Because when you have light in light, it hardly makes a difference. But when you have light in darkness, it makes a huge difference. Do you follow what I'm saying? You see... Just like in Jehu's day, they broke out of the status quo. They went away from Baal worship. And just like we, we are now given the chance to, not, to break out of church and the status quo of church. We can now run with, with all, of, all of God's strength, with everything that he has given to us. We can run. We can now scale off those days of Baal and bring in the days of God again. Yeah. As in the days of Elijah. Folks, for two years I've stood on Mount Carmel. With, we're going back there in June. We've stood on Mount Carmel and the prophets of God through Sadhu and through Bruce Allen have for two years started saying, this is the day when the spirit of Elijah starts breaking out on his people. I'm declaring to you that the spirit of Elijah, just as it was in Jezebel and Ahab's day, just as it's rocked and put the decline into society, there's a body of people with the same spirit of Elijah and Elisha that will rise up in this day. The same spirit. And guess who that is? It's you. It's you to rise up with the spirit of Elijah to start bringing down the spirit of a Baal over this land. We are the answer. No politician is. We are. You are. This is the opportunity that Trump has given us. He's given us a time, a time, a very short window where we can dive in, we can prize it in and let all heaven break out in us and on us. Do you want us? We are that end time generation. We are born for such a time as this. We're living in these biblical times right now. So we have to be bold, we have to be strong, and we have to be courageous, just as it was with Joshua. He had some giants to kill, but he was given the spirit, the sevenfold spirit that we see in Isaiah 11 verse 2. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. The same spirit is in me. I will stand and be mighty. I will stand and be courageous. I will stand and be strong for him. And I will bring down some giants. I will, I will bring down some giants. Consecrate yourselves, Joshua. Joshua, get your people ready. Separate yourself now, Joshua. This is the time of separation from the conformity of church. This is the time now to absolutely break those chains. We sing it. Let's break the chains of conforming to church and the traditions of men. And let's bring in the kingdom of God. And let's start bringing light onto a world that is dark. This is us. And it will not stop there. It won't stop there. Whatever we do now is going to go into the thousand year reign. Whatever we do now is to be established in the thousand year reign. Do you think that we're going to stop 
with the feast of God, with all that. And no, we're going to continue it. We're going to learn more about the ways of God <coughs> than ever before. Folks, this is our time. This is our day. Just like Jehu, Jehu, just like Trump, this is our day for us. And listen, we've got revival here. This is revival. You are revival. I don't care how you feel. I don't care how you think. I just want you to know that you are carrying the fire of revival. The fire of revival is in you because the same spirit is in you. And we're going to rise up. I'm telling you now, April the 23rd, I kept on saying that. It was St. George's Day. I didn't realize that when I gave this prophetic word to Neville Johnson back in September. I said, by the 23rd of April, one of two things is going to happen. It will either be finished or it will just start. It's just started. I didn't realize what I was saying. It has just started. What's St. George's Day? What's he spearing? A dragon. A dragon. What was born on St. George's Day? A new baby boy. Louis was born. A new baby boy. What's that prophetically saying? It's the Revelation 12. A man-child has been born to bruise and to kill and to bring down the dragon. This is you and me. Do you know what Louis means? No. It means warrior. Ah. This is it, folks. This is prophetic. This is prophetic. You won't go to many churches and get this because it's about shaking you out of your slumber. It's about shaking you out of your sleep. Revival is here and it's in you. You start walking this out. You do not put God in a box. God has never been, never, he won't get in your box. Look what Elijah did. He commanded the rain to stop. Look what he did to the widow. Give me what you've got. I'll multiply it. We're going to move in the power of Elijah and Elisha. There you go, baldy, they said to Elisha. There you go, you bald git. They kept on mocking him. Guess what came out and devoured them? Bears came running out because creation is going to work with us. Even the very creation cries out for the sun. They're going to work with us. Just watch Tarzan. We did. And the animals, they worked with Tarzan. It's, and do you, know, do you know, all week, I've been having chest pains. Even to the point where I almost drove myself to the hospital thinking, something's happening, something's happening, something's happening. And I knew what it was. It was a spirit of heart attack. But it was a spirit, and it will not come on my body. And I said to Heidi, Heidi, <clears throat> keep getting these chest pains. I'm going to go for a workout. I put a heart rate monitor on. My heart rate's normal. I have a workout. I push myself. If I'm going to have a heart attack, well, then I'm going to be fit. <laughs> I'm serious. Because, folks, we're fighting this in the spirit. It's not coming on my body because he didn't want me to say, share this message with you. He does not want me to share this message. He wants to kill me and destroy me and steal everything that is for you.
I am in this place. I am in this breach. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Once more. And this was dim. That speech was when? On St. George's Day. Once more. And establish the throne of God in this land. Once more, let's take on. Because there's an antichrist system. It's already here. But guess what? They're just waiting for the man. But let's make this nation a sheep nation. And then to qualify for a prince nation. Because guess what our job is, folks? Guess what your job is? It's not just me. It's not the Heidi and Andy show. It's not that. Guess what our job is to do? Guess what our job is? That's one. That's a byproduct, by the way. Is to prepare the bride and help her prepare herself for a marriage feast of his return. And we're to prepare them for the Acts 4. We're to prepare them for the John 14, 12, for the greater works. We're to prepare them and to propel them into building and establishing the kingdom of God on earth as it already is in heaven. We will become, each and every one of us, evangelists. Can I tell you how? Because the spirit of Elijah is going to be on us. The spirit of God is going to get, and he is going to be so on us that people are going to come and stand right by you and they're going to go, what have you got? What is it about you? What have you got? I want it, I want it. They're going to be on their faces and you haven't even preached a word. And you can say, that's the spirit of the almighty God that is on me. Receive it. Remember what Peter said? Gold and silver I do not have, but what I have I give to you. Get up, arise and walk. This is what we are going to do. And this is what we must teach our children to do. This is what it's about, folks. This is our time. This is you and me, everyone in this room. Everyone. Can I just take you, just turn with me, please, to Ezekiel 9, and I'm finishing. Ezekiel 9. Because for a number of years, for the last two to three years, three over three years now, I have been, and you know, I picked this out and I thought, why do I need it? Because he's here. Because he's here. I see a man, I've seen a man over the last three years. He's got a long shawl, long white shawl. He's quite scruffy looking. He's got these, what I call like um, little glasses perched on the end of his nose with these two little round specks but they're not attached to his ear. He just has them perched on, on his nose. He's bald, almost. He's just got little wisps of white here. He's bald, he's old, but he's covered in ink. He's got ink down his shawl. He's got ink on his hands, and he carries a feather ink pen. And I'm, I've been saying for three years, who is this man? And all I knew that he was, we had come to mark the people of God. The people of God. He had come to mark them and put the mark of God. And you can go to Revelation and find that. Those that know their God. Revelation 14 will follow the Lamb wherever he goes and they will have their Father's name written on their forehead. But I wondered who this man was. 
Have you all, dealt, have you all got it? Ezekiel 9? Then he came out of, my, out of in my hearing with a loud voice saying, let those who have charge over the city draw near. Folks, we have charge over this country. Each with him a deadly weapon in his hand. I like this. And suddenly six men, that word men is angels. Angels came from one from the direction of the upper gate with, which faces north, each with his battle axe in his hand. One man among them was clothed with linen and had a writer's inkhorn at his side. They went in and stood beside the bronze altar. There's something for you. Now the glory of God of Israel had gone up from the cherubim where it had been. I think that's one of the saddest things in the Bible when the cherubim took the glory of God up to heaven with them. That glory of God is coming back down and it will be seen over a people. Not a church. Where it had been to the threshold of the temple and he called to the man clothed with linen and had the writer's inkhorn at his side. That man is now standing at the back. That same man is standing at the back and he's got his feathered pen looks along like a feather and he's dipping it into an inkhorn. Who had the writer's inkhorn at his side and the Lord said to him, go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done within it. And do you know what that mark is? My wife found this because I'm saying, Lord, you've got to show me where this is in the Bible. I know there's the mark, your mark on the foreheads, but show me where this man is. And Heidi said, this is where it is, Ezekiel 9. And he is standing at the back of this hall. I saw him yesterday. I saw him at our uh, Bush, Bush uh, conference, end time conference. He was here and he's here again today. And he's standing at the back. He's getting a little bit fidgety and a little bit bored. He's saying, get on with it. <laughs> but if you read on to that, he went and marked their heads. Guess what he marked them with? You tell them, Heidi. Oh, So, he says, he said to them, go after him through the city and kill. Do not let your eyes spare, nor have any pity. Utterly stay all, utterly slay the old and the young, the maidens and the children and the women, and do not come near anyone on whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary. This is going to start in the house of God. And anyone that does not have this mark will die. It's their outer court and the inner court Christians. But the Lord wants to put his mark. And I know I've, I'm seeing a lot of people here with marks on their foreheads. 
I see it completely. You know, I see the cross on your forehead. Some of you have already been marked. <clears throat> Some of you haven't. But let me tell you, everyone in this room is part of this army. This is what the Lord wants to do. He wants to mark us all. He wants to, to say, come on, guys. Let's go for it. Because this is your destiny. As I sat there, the Lord said to me, he said, I want you to put this in at the end because it's all about your destiny. And I said, Lord, what scripture do you want me to put? He said, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And I want you to read this over the people because this ties in with the plans and the purposes. It says, for I know the thoughts I have towards you. This is the Lord saying it. He loves you. He absolutely, those thoughts are thoughts of acts of love that he has for you and me. Towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you that hope and that future. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Do you want the Lord with all of your heart? Well, now's the time to stand up. Because I'm going to pray over you. Because this is your destiny. And I know that some of you have not got this mark on your forehead. I'm looking around them. So a lot of you have. I'd say 80% of you have got this mark. But there's 20% of you who haven't. Yeah, everyone stand up. Because this is for you and for me. These are the plans and the thoughts that God has for his people. That's you and me. This is going to launch... Listen, what is happening now, it's May the 1st on Tuesday. We're going to be here at 7 o'clock listening to this lovely lady who's come. I suggest you be here. But let me tell you something. It's going to break out in May. What we have been striving for in, in April is going to launch us into May. It's, when I saw the Lord rising, it's a new day dawning. This is it. This new day is dawning on us. And this is a time to say yes to him. Listen, if you don't want to say yes to him, you don't want to be, that's fine. But I'll say yes, Lord, and amen. Because you are going to start fulfilling those prophetic words that were given by prophetic people. Not pathetic, because there are a lot of words that are pathetic. There are. There are lots of words that have been said in church that are totally pathetic and not from the word of God. But let me tell you, God wants to break out amongst you and amongst me. You ready for it? So Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that I've been faithful to your word to pinpoint where we are in your timepiece. And Father, it says that you know the plans you have for each and every one of us in this room. And the scribe is now moving amongst some of you. He is marking your forehead. I can feel the mark on my forehead burning. You might feel something, you might not. It doesn't matter. But what is above this room is yes and amen. There's a loud shout in the spirit of yes and amen in this place right now. And Father, we get to your word because faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let your word become alive in us. 
let the spirit of the ox be given to us. Let us be marked for this end days today to do great exploits for those people that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. So Father, I pray now, release on us today the spirit of Elijah. Mm. Let the spirit of Elijah wash over you right now. Some of you may not feel a thing. Other, you, other of you, every hair on your body will stand on end. Let the fire of the Holy Spirit impart into you now the spirit of Elijah. And Lord, we pray for the, from this day forth as we go into a new month of May. Lord, I pray, break out among us. Break out in this place and bring revival. As you have already brought it to us, let us break out in this revival in this place because we want to know you with all of our hearts. We want to see you with an unveiled eye to gaze upon your glory and live. But Lord, I pray now, give each and every one of us dreams, visions and encounters with you. Put blueprints now. I just see the Lord is giving people here in this room literal blueprints. Just hold out your hand. He wants to give. I just see the tracings of blueprints that are being given to us. Eat it. Eat that blueprint. Just put it into your, put it into your chest. Put it into you. Eat that blueprint. This is biblical. Come on, I'm giving you a scroll, eat it. It'll be bitter to taste. But it's going to spew out revelation. It's going to spew out revelation. The spirit of prophecy is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray now, clothe us. He's giving us new clothes, white garments to put on the clothe of his righteousness that has been redeemed from the cross for you and me. Clothe us in your righteousness. He's giving many of you weapons of war. He's giving us swords. He's giving us battle axes. He's giving us spears. He's giving us shields. He's giving us the belt of the truth of the gospel. He's giving us new sandals. He's clothing us. For the time of battle. This is the time of battle for this land. Neville Johnson said these words. He said that this nation will be won by the women who intercede for this nation. If I'm a bride, I can, I can intercede for this nation. Lord, I pray for that now. Put it on us to cry out for this nation with groanings and sighs for this nation and the nation of Israel.
that, Lord, put into us everything we need now for battle, for these last days. We're in, or just about to come into, the last seven years. And that should excite us, because we will see his return. I see open portals now being opened up above us. I see an open heaven above us. There are portals now being opened for us in the heavenly. I see angels like Jacob, see angels ascending and descending. There's a changing of the guard happening right now. New angels, fresh troops are coming down to equip and to help us for this battle. Do you want a battle for the Lord? Say amen. amen. This has been sealed in you. Sealed on you. Do not let this or the enemy come along and do something and take it away from you. Because that scribe has just put the last cross on a forehead. Young lady, I, haven't, I don't know you, but you've come in for such a time as this. This was your moment. The Lord wanted to restore back to you your hope and your future in him. You have been looking for this for a long, long time. You don't come from this country, do you? You come from Europe, Finland. And do you know what the Finnish do? They have been on the brink of the communist state of the USR, and they are the best prepared people for this battle. And the Lord declares you are the best prepared person for this battle. You are prepared for this battle. And just like the Finnish army, they can take off their uniforms in a split second. They have got loads and loads of areas that have got supplies and ammunition and explosives and food and all the things right the way through Finland. And just like that, God is giving you all these different depots that you are going to need from heaven to supply and equip the bride. You are dressed for battle. You are dressed for this time. Folks, she is a representation of each and every one of us in this room. That there are caches of equipment around this land for our provision to help equip and prepare the bride. There is a birth that has already taken place. There is a maturity in his church that is coming now. I hear echoes of heaven. They are ringing through my ear. It hurts. There's echoes of heaven. There are blasts of trumpets coming in from heaven. This is the time to storm the breaches that we have time now to storm the ramparts, to storm the gates of hell, the schemes of Satan. This is our time. This is our time. 
I hear the trumpets of war sounding in heaven. There is an open heaven above us. <coughs> and some of you are now going to walk in an open heaven. The Lord wants to do healing next week. The Lord wants to break out and start healing his church. I felt the Lord say that to me just now. He wants to bring healing next week. So Father, I pray now, prepare us for what you want us to do for this time. Prepare us. Richard, this is everything about to come for your prayers. Everything that you've been praying since your time in Bristol is about to be released. You are one of the righteous for this country, to stand for this country. And it says where I can find 10 righteous people. Because listen, if God doesn't bring judgment, then he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. But he will have his people in place, you and me, for this time. Lord, reign on us and reign in us. Please seal it in now. Seal it in. This is you. Now seal it in with your prayer. You don't have to say it out loud. You may want to pray, pray it in the in the tongues of angels, but seal it in. Just as this music comes forth, seal it in. There's a sealing, both with the S-E-L and the sealing above us is open. There's a breaking of a sealing above us, but there's a sealing within us happening right now. Seal it in. Don't let the disappointments of what's happened in church before stop you from walking in this now. I see some of the hurts from church. Heal them, Lord. Heal them. Now is the time to learn a new song. People again in this room are going to be given songs new songs to sing that will bring heaven down. I see the flaming angel of healing. He's come in like a ball of fire at the back. He's releasing healing in this room. He wants us to be healers and deliverers to release the captives to release the prisoners, to break the chains of bondage. Break it now. You're going to heal many. You're going to see blind eyes see, deaf ears open, the lame walking. You're going to see cancer dropping off. Lord, I pray now, restore vision both physical and spiritual. Lord, restore our vision that your realm becomes more real to us than this realm does. That's what I hear, the cry of you. You are crying out to see him. Just put the salve of the Lord on your eyes. Come, buy from me gold refined in the fire. Many of you have been in that fire 
and the impurities have come to the surface and the Lord is swooping those impurities off. But he says, buy from me. And also put on the salve on your eyes. Put the salve on now. And the salve that will clear and make you see into that spiritual realm. You'll see it first in your mind's eye, in your imagination, and then you'll see it clearly in the physical. Just put it on. Put that salve. Then ask the Lord to wipe your eyes. Ask the Lord to wipe your eyes so you will start having dreams and visions and encounters with him. There's a breakout in this. I see Joel 2 breaking out in this room. And you're going to have an encounter with the Lord. Before this, this church age finishes, you are going to be sitting in your stool or your chair. I see you've got a, a chair in your room that you sit down and read. And there's a rug on it. And is that right? I'm seeing this in the spirit. There's a rug on it. There's a table to your left by the window. That's right. I see it. And the Lord is going to walk in through the door on the right. And he's going to come and sit and talk with you. This is going to happen to you. I see it. I see color knitted in a really lovely pattern. The Lord's going to bring color and life. The rainbow colors of his presence. The seven spirits of God. Lord, clothe us now in righteousness through what you've done in the blood. Clothe us in your righteousness. Thank you for the blood that makes us clean, that makes us holy, that makes us pure. Thank you for the provisions of this table. Lord, now restore 2020 vision back to us. 2020 vision. My son, pay attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Because it will be life to those that find them. And health to all their flesh. Take God's medicine. That's his word. That's the living word. Take it, eat it, keep it in the midst of your heart because by his stripes we are healed. That healing wave is about to hit us. Thank you, Jesus.